We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast and remember to subscribe to the podcast on itunes google play tune in stitcher or spotify and of course you can always check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com my name is andrew mertig and i am flying solo this week on a friday without kyle so not only do you have to deal with just me uh, and listening to myself for the next 20 minutes or so. But also, as you can probably tell, my voice is pretty shredded still from being at at Game 6 of the NBA Finals. So my apologies for sounding like this, but it was totally worthwhile to see the Milwaukee Bucks win an NBA championship. And we all know that this is going to break the Wisconsin sports curse, uh, if you can even call it that. And and so we're, we're guaranteed to be having good times as Green Bay Packer fans moving forward. So, um, you know, if you've been listening on Fridays, you know Kyle and I are in the middle of a series that we work on every summer where we preview the Packers' upcoming opponents. So, so far we have worked our way through the NFC North, so you can go back and you can actually hear an entire episode devoted to the Vikings, the Bears, and the Lions, and how they've changed their roster. Uh, We talked about the Saints, 49ers, and Steelers two weeks ago, and then last week we covered the Bengals, the Washington football team, and the Arizona Cardinals, and how those teams have changed, And, and it's really our goal to give the listeners a better understanding of how these teams have changed, who you're going to see when, when, you know, the matchup comes up on the schedule. And so I'm going to try to navigate through the next two opponents uh, on the schedule by myself this week. And so things we talk about, you know, free agency additions, the players who leave, you know, whether that be through free agency or getting cut. And then also, of course, the draft classes that we care so much about. And so uh, the next two teams on the Packers schedule would be the Kansas City Chiefs and the Seattle Seahawks, who are certainly very intriguing teams. Um, and, you know, they did see their fair amount of changes that, that we'll go through, um, but largely at their core, uh, being incredibly successful NFL franchises, there wasn't that much of a change but, you know, especially when we when I get into the Chiefs, uh, you're going to see some big changes uh, in some very important areas. So I'm going to do my best to try to show you a picture of what we should expect 
when the Packers and these two teams cross paths this season. Uh, So let's get kicked off with the Kansas City Chiefs because they're first up on the schedule. And if you take a look in free agency, the big two losses uh, were two tackles, uh, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, who have been incredibly successful in their careers. And certainly, you know, you would you would think you lose your two tackles and, and that's going to be a huge shock to the system of your franchise. But we'll talk a little bit about what the Chiefs did to re- replace them. Uh, a, a lot of minor re-signings. Uh, the Chiefs didn't have a ton of money to work with in the open free agency market. Um or, well, I mean, I guess they did, but, you know, they, they didn't invest a lot in resigning their own players. And so, you know, really, I'll, I'll take a laundry list and make it into a couple of players that, that maybe will have some impact in this upcoming season. Number one is running back Daryl Williams, who's part of that rotation at running back. Uh, we may see a little bit more of him this year as, as the Chiefs running back situation has changed. And then also safety Daniel Sorensen, who is a really underrated defender uh, for that Kansas City unit. Um, and then free agency came along, and man, did they make some moves. Uh, you know, the huge splash free agent signing was guard Joe Thune, uh coming over from the New England Patriots, where he was a fantastic interior offensive lineman there. They also got guard Kyle Long to come out of retirement. You have tackle Mike Remmers, defense lineman Jaron Reed, uh, running back Jarek McKinnon, and then offensive lineman Austin Blythe. Uh, probably the biggest move that the, the Chiefs made was in acquiring tackle Orlando. Brown Jr. for a 2021 first-round pick from their rivals, the Baltimore Ravens. So two AFC contenders making moves. There were also some other draft picks exchanged. Uh, Kansas City received a 2021 second-rounder back. We won't get into all the details of the deal, but I'm certainly trying to recoup a little bit of draft compensation. So, you know, you look at these moves, and on the aggregate, the Chiefs made it their number one priority to flip their offensive line. You have massive injuries that cost them the chance at their second consecutive Super Bowl victory, and they weren't going to put Patrick Mahomes in that situation again. So you you jettison the aging pair of tackles in Fisher, Fisher and Schwartz, and that had to be really, really difficult based on how good that those two have been. But they were able to replace them with one of the best right tackles in the game. There, of course, I'm speaking of Orlando Brown Jr. Granted, he's going to move over to the left side now. So we're going to see. He, he's he been very adamant that he wants to play left tackle, that he's going to be great there. Um, we will see. Um, one of the best guards in the game, the, you know, the Ed Joe Thune. And, um, you know, in fairness, they're paying him like one of the best tackles in the game to play guard. Uh, so, you know, of course, they're they're going to be pretty reliant on him being fantastic. Uh, and then you get Kyle Long coming out of retirement. You're not exactly sure what you're going to get. You never know when a player takes a year off uh, how they're going to respond. Um, but they also added some nice depth pieces in Mike Remmers and Austin Blythe. So, you know, this is really just it, the perfect example of committing to keeping your franchise quarterback healthy and comfortable. This is the kind of thing I think a lot of Packers fans have been clamoring for, right? Like we see this big need at a position and we want the organization to come out and just like commit so many resources to it. We, we've seen the Packers do that with edge rusher when they went out and signed Zedarius and Preston Smith in the same offseason and then also invested a very high draft pick on Rashawn Gary. And so the Chiefs kind of took the same attitude with the offensive line this year. Um, so then you move into the draft, and what did the Chiefs do? Well, they didn't pick until 58 because, of course, they sent their first rounder for Orlando Brown Jr. And at pick 58, they get Nick Bolton, the linebacker from Missouri. I know a lot of people were familiar with him, um, you know, sort of initially when the draft 
Uh, you know, people started evaluating the draft in January and February. Nick Bolton was somebody that was maybe being talked about as a potential first-round pick. His testing didn't really live up to that. Um, him being kind of our primary run defender didn't necessarily fit in that mold. We'll talk about that a little bit more. The Chiefs then had the 63rd pick. So the 58th came back from the Ravens, and the 63rd was their original second-rounder. And there they got Creed Humphrey, the center from Oklahoma. Uh, they didn't pick again until 144 in the fourth round, and they got Joshua Kando. Uh, the edge from Florida State. In the fifth round, they had a couple of picks. They get Noah Gray, the tight end from Duke. Uh, and then Cornell Powell, wide receiver from Clemson, who is, of course, the Packers' Amari Rogers teammate there. And in the sixth round, they get guard Trey Smith from Tennessee. So, you know, overall, taking a look at this draft class, obviously, this, you know, it's a six-pick uh, draft and, you know, none in, in the top 57 picks. I'm not a huge fan of Bolton, but at the end of the second round, you get a linebacker who's going to make a ton of tackles. So that's always, you know, somewhat valuable, right? You think of Blake Martinez there. And then also really improve your run defense. He's he's fun moving forward. He's going to hit guys hard. Um, I don't know how much he's going to be at, be able to add as a, a drop linebacker in the passing game. But then that other second round pick, Creed Humphrey, I thought he was a tremendous value at the end of the second. And, you know, if he is healthy... He gives you a center for the next 10 years on top of all of those other great moves we talked about to shore up that offensive line. So that one could be real interesting. Uh, Kando is a really fun athlete and like all other Florida State players, he needs better coaching at the NFL level than he got in college. Like just simply so much talent on that defense and just so many guys that just underperform because who the heck knows what was going on in Florida State. And, you know, Cornell Powell is the kind of experienced college wide receiver who can step in. He can take a limited amount of snaps from day one. He's going to be productive. I think he can be a secondary piece in this offense. They're going to need to replace some production at wide receiver. Uh, so, you know, he could be an interesting piece. And, and Trey Smith was a guy that I thought had a really high upside at guard. You get him around six, you know, that's another depth piece. That's a guy that you can, you know, maybe even because nobody wanted him until the sixth round, stash on your practice squad for a year and continue to develop. But I really like the upside of Smith coming out of Tennessee. So this is a team overall that aggressively addressed their main weakness. They bought a bunch of insurance policies to increase their depth at offensive line. I would say, you know, you take a look at at what their defense can be, what it has been. Of course, that incredible offense. With health, this is the team that should be the Super Bowl favorite in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, And that's probably not very hot takey because the Chiefs, of course, uh, were in the Super Bowl the last two seasons in a row. And I I think they addressed the one thing that prevented them from winning back-to-backs. So now let's take a look at the Seattle Seahawks. And there's a ton of moves here. Um, a lot of guys lost. A lot of, a lot of just changes on this roster, period. In free agency, they lost running back Carlos Hyde, wide receiver Philip Dorsett, cornerback Shaquille Griffin. That's probably the big move. Uh, wide receiver David Moore is a sneaky loss for them. Tight end Jacob Hollister, defensive lineman Jerron Reed, who we just talked about with the Chiefs. He was cut and then ended up in Kansas City. Cornerback Quinton Dunbar. There's linebacker K.J. Wright, who uh, remains unsigned. I know a lot of Packers fans were clamoring for him. Edge Bruce Irvin, tight end Luke Wilson, guard Chance Warmack, and linebacker Shaquem Griffin. Uh, So 
a lot of guys out the door, a lot of names, you know, players that have contributed to that roster. Um, they also, I mean, they just had a big free agency class, honestly. Uh, and so you look at the re-signings, they got defense lineman Puna Ford back, center Ethan Pochitz, uh, running back Chris Carson, defense lineman Benson Mayoa, uh, t- uh, tackle Cedric Obici, uh edge Carlos Dunlap, and uh, Demarius Randall, the defensive back, of course, former Packers first round pick there. And then they brought in some free agents. Um, you have cornerback Akello Witherspoon coming over from the 49ers, tight end Gerald Everett from the Rams. Really, really hitting that pipeline in the NFC West there. Uh, edge Kerry Hyder, defense lineman Al Woods, edge Alden Smith, who seemingly is just bouncing around the West Coast. Uh, cornerback Pierre Desir and defense lineman Robert Inkemdiche. Uh, and then also a trade here. Uh, they acquired guard Gabe Jackson from the Las Vegas Raiders in a trade. And so, you know, like I mentioned, a ton of changes in free agency and in acquisitions. And the, the Seahawks, they're, they're going to be excited to bring back guys like Puna Ford and Chris Carson, certainly impact players on that roster. Dunlap had a really nice season after coming over midway from the Bengals. But they have to hope Akella Witherspoon can step in for Shaquille Griffin. And that, you know, on paper, that's a downgrade and maybe a big one. And Pierre Desir coming in for Quentin Dunbar. And so, you know, that secondary that's been a strength for so long and that Seahawks scheme where you just sort of seem, it it, it always seemed like they could just plug in whoever and they were going to be really successful. It can be a fifth round pick. It doesn't matter. Um, But, you know, that doesn't always hold true. You set up those expectations that like this team is always going to have good defensive backs and then suddenly they don't. And you see talent starting to erode as they're having to pay for premium positions. And, you know, one move I really liked, Gerald Everett coming over. I think he is a, a tight end with a crazy amount of upside. And in this offense, could be really, really impactful. I also thought they had some nice depth moves. You get Kerry Hyder, you get Alden Smith off the edge as rotational players. Those are nice moves. And then Al Woods. And then Inkem Diche, um, you know, he was a former first-round pick, somebody that was super highly regarded coming out of Ole Miss. Really high potential. The Seahawks do have a history of getting the most out of players who have not necessarily succeeded in other places. So, you know, a lot of things to kind of like there in improving the depth on that defense. You know, of course, the big move was that trade for Gabe Jackson uh, into your offensive lineman. He's been a top-notch guard for the Raiders um, over the last several years, and the Seahawks needed to do a bunch to protect Russell Wilson. So he's going to go a ways towards doing that. But I'm not sure if they did enough to improve this roster beyond that. Um, and then we move to the draft class. Well, this one's going to be really easy. Kyle's going to be very jealous of me for being able to cover the Seahawks draft class because there's only three players. Uh, and, you know, in the second round, they had picked 56. They get Dwayne Eskridge, the wide receiver out of Western Michigan. In the fourth round, they get cornerback Trey Brown from Oklahoma. And then in the sixth, they bring in offensive tackle Stone Forsyth from Florida. So, You know, this is exactly what happens when you don't value draft capital. I really liked Eskridge. I think he's a fun player. I think he may be a really impact kind of slot, gadgety kind of player. But that's their sole top 100 pick. And he is going to have to replace David Moore's production. And I can't imagine either of the other two picks, Trey Brown or, or Stone Forsyth, being an immediate contributor on this team. And the main reason why the Seahawks had so few draft picks, Jamal Adams, right? That big trade they had with the Jets last year. 
all of a sudden he wants a new contract and he may be a holdout in the coming weeks. And this is the scary part about trading for somebody whose contract is going to expire or even when they're not, somebody you know is going to want a bump in pay. They have all of the leverage in that situation. And so, you know, it, what what are the Seahawks going to do? They can't let Jamal Adams walk after giving up two first-round picks plus uh, for the guy. And so he he kind of has you, you in a situation where he's going to be able to demand whatever price he wants. If he wants to be one of the top-paid defensive players in the entire league, even at a non-premium position like safety, I think he's going to be able to get it. Because are the Seahawks really going to let him walk after investing all of that draft capital into him? I just can't envision that being the case. And so, you know, that's another contract that they have to sort of figure out how to work around with, of course, Russell Wilson making a lot of money and, and some other big contracts across that defense. So um, it would be hard to argue the Seahawks got a lot better. I, I'm not sure they necessarily got worse either. They, they're going to be a tough matchup, but we may see them take a step back in what should be an incredibly competitive NFC West. I mean, I would think, at least on the surface, the Rams got a lot better. Granted, the Cam Akers injury doesn't help, but that's a team that still should be improved. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And then you, you take a look, the 49ers probably are going to have a bounce back year. You, you would assume they're going to be a lot healthier. We talked about the Cardinals last week. That's a roster that 
you know, maybe they're not a lot better, but just the maturation of Kyler Murray, the improvement of that offense should be enough to make them an even more competitive team than they already were. And so the Seahawks, if you're not improving in the NFC West, you may end up seeing a regression in your record. And I just, you know, I, I talked about all those losses, whether that be Shaquille Griffin or somebody like David Moore or Jerron Reed, Quentin Dunbar, KJ Wright, uh, Luke Wilson, Chance Warmack, those are all contributors. And even the guys that I didn't mention, they're rotational players, they're special teams players, they're people that are going to make an impact on this roster. And now they're not there. And you're replacing them with you know, a decent free agency class, right? Like I talked about, I kind of liked Hyder and Alden Smith and Al Woods and Kim Diche. Uh, Pierre Desir is a, a, you know, somebody who certainly can can compete at the, that slot corner position of Kelly Witherspoon, Gerald Everett. Those are nice additions, but that's not making up for that laundry list of guys that are out the door. So um, they're going to have some things to overcome, uh, you know, they're hoping their offensive line is going to be a lot better and that Russell Wilson is not going to have to create quite so much that their offense will see some improvement around, um, you know, some other players as well. Uh, and certainly, you know, they, they secured uh, Tyler Lockett for more of the long term and DK Metcalf is continuing to ascend as a talent and, and a superstar in this league. So, you know, they'll rely on that offense to be really explosive, even if the defense takes a little bit of a setback. But record-wise... Um, you know, I'd be nervous if I was any of those NFC West teams that they're just all going to beat up on each other. Um, and so now, you know, transitioning the Packers in 2021 are going to play these two teams in week nine and 10. The Chiefs come first, and that's going to be on a Sunday afternoon on November 7th at Kansas City. On week 10, uh, they follow up the, the next week with another late afternoon game um, on November 14th with the Seattle Seahawks coming to Lambeau Field. Kyle and I have sort of talked about, you know, the impact that Aaron Rodgers has on on evaluating how these games look. I don't think it matters. Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be favored when it comes to November unless, you know, something drastic happens to their roster um, in a negative way. And, you know, the Packers playing at the Chiefs. This Chiefs team, like I said, I think they should be the Super Bowl favorites. They are absolutely stacked and that is going to be a very difficult game. One that, you know, if the Packers did win, I think it's probably going to be a surprise to many. Um, but it's certainly a fun game on the NFL schedule, especially if number 12 is at the helm for the Green Bay Packers. And we finally get that Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes matchup that we were all salivating about a couple of years ago. Uh, and then, you know, the Seahawks at Lambeau, I think this is a game the Packers probably, um, you know, if Aaron Rodgers is at the helm, Definitely favorites. I think if it's Jordan Love, I think this is a more competitive game. And that's one of the things that we're seeing as we're going through these, the the schedule in general. The Packers have enough talent on their team that if they do have an inexperienced starter at quarterback like Jordan Love, or even if they went with a, a veteran presence for the few, first few weeks of the season, I think there's some winnable games uh, with with the talent the Packers have on defense and in the running game, and and you know at the the skill positions where um, you know they could really help an inexperienced quarterback get through some of that and, and I think you know there is a path to the playoffs uh, even without Aaron Rodgers but certainly we are really really 
Really hoping he's back, especially after getting to taste that championship with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, and even if you're not a Bucks fan, pretty cool uh, to have the you know state of Wisconsin erase the quote-unquote curse uh, that, that we've been facing uh, over the last 10 years. And, and also, you know, hey, uh, I see a lot of Packers supporting the in-state team at the games. And, and of course, Aaron Rodgers being a co-owner of the Milwaukee Bucks as well is, is pretty special. So um, that is all the time that I have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find me at Andrew Mertig on Twitter. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star rating if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. Uh, And we will be back as a dynamic duo next week to continue our conversation on the last three non-divisional opponents on the Packers 2021 schedule. Please stay tuned to the Packaday Packers. We're getting incredibly close to training camp. And please, you know, tune in every day and and you're going to get all of the updates that you need to get you ready for training camp. All of the latest and greatest on Aaron Rodgers and the rest of, of what's going on with the Green Bay Packers roster. But I really just want to say thank you for listening. Thanks for tolerating my voice. You got a little preview of what I sounded like when I was 16. And as always, remember... 